Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in today. I have an amazing guest who is doing amazing work to help empower women around the globe by encouraging conscious and intentional living. Our guest today is Ashley Ayala, and she is the founder of Sister House Collective. Ashley is passionate about sustainable fashion and conscious consumerism and believes that we as women in the Western world have the unique ability to make a profound impact on the lives of women in developing nations by supporting socially driven businesses. Hi, Ashley, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Great. So, um, can you tell me a little bit about your eco-friendly journey and how you got started, you know, in sustainable fashion? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I think actually when, I'm trying to think what year it would have been, probably around the time of me being in college. So around 2009 or 2010 was when I started kind of becoming aware of different body care items that I was using um, and wondering what was in them. (laughs) And I think that's kind of how it started for me was just kind of assessing like, Oh, you know, I buy this, like, do you remember, like, big, sexy hairspray? Mm-hmm. It's still around. Like, yeah. I would use that kind of stuff and, you know, notice, like, that it smelled up the whole bathroom. And I just, I don't know. I kind of started getting tuned into, like, oh, okay, I wonder, like, is this bad for me? Should I be breathing this in? Um, and becoming kind of curious in that. And I think from there, um, I got really into, like, so this is around the time, too, I think 2010, 11, where Pinterest may have come out. Mm -hmm. Or maybe this was a few years before, but I know there was stuff floating around on the internet around do it yourself and like that whole culture. And I got really, really into that. Um, And then I was just like, I'm going to make, you know, I want to learn how to make all kinds of things and just any type of creative project. Um, And then a couple of years kind of into that where I had been kind of shopping more um, thoughtfully and really looking at ingredient lists, I, yeah, I started looking up like, well, how do I make my own soap? Okay, look up, you know, recipes for making your own soap. How do I make my own laundry detergent? And those kind of things. And I think that was probably around 2013 or 14. Mm -hmm. Um, And from then, I have just been like acutely aware. (laughs) And so I, you know, it's been a journey of like, it's about the process, right? It wasn't an overnight thing, but just learning, you know, okay, well, what are things that I put on my body, spraying around my face, um, you know, or things that I'm exposing myself to that might be harmful to me or to people around me. And it really started too with me. Like I know a lot of people are really into eco-friendly things for the planet but for me, it started with like, wait, but what is this doing to me? And then right. realizing, okay, well, yeah, if it's affecting me, then it must also be affecting, you know, Mother. everyone else who's using these products. Yeah. And then and then it kind of became the environmental thing of like, okay, well, what is the impact? Um, and actually, the environmental part of it really came much later. Like, in the last probably year and a half was really when I started asking. Like, I always loved things being upcycled or reusing certain materials. Mm-hmm. Um, because I thought like, oh, that's great. It's like reusing something that already exists. Um, but really not until I met some ladies from another local business here called Minimal Market mm-hmm. did they really talk to me about like, oh, well, you know, that's great that 
you know, there's like these natural whatevers, but like what kind of bottles are they coming in or what kind of, you know, plastics are they using? Is it recyclable? Is it recycled? You know, so those kind of deeper questions about environmental issues, um, I really didn't start thinking about until more recently, which I had already been a few years into the kind of sustainable and fair trade fashion movement. Um, And yeah, and that all came about through Sister House Collective. So it originally started um, as an ethical boutique. And I really wanted to start changing conversations um, among women from, oh, how does this look on me? Or like, oh, this is cute. Should I buy it? To more like, oh, well, what's the impact of this purchase? What can it do? Um, And I was selling all types of different handmade goods from women from all around the world. Um, And they were all social cause based. So it would be, you know, some one or some couple of people went to a certain area where they realized, okay, there's a lot of poverty here, but we don't want to set up this kind of, uh, some people refer to it as welfare system, if you will, of like just giving somebody something. So a good example of this would be like Tom's shoes, Mm-hmm. great intention they wanted to do the buy one give one model but how they executed it was actually very harmful mm. because they de- created this dependence on toms to always then provide charity and it put cobblers out of work and it put you know people who are making shoes in different rural areas around the world it put them out of work and then also it provided shoes for kids until they grew to the next size so and that's something too Tom's has addressed since they saw that like, okay, we did this thing and we had a, you know, we did it with the right intentions, but we actually created like another problem by doing this. Yeah. Um, and so the groups that I, you know, kind of work with go, okay, well, instead of setting up this system of charitable giving, let's get some, yeah, some donations and things to get it started. And a lot of them do have partner nonprofits, but then they create jobs in a certain area. So their whole goal is to create economic stability for women in an area Mm -hmm. Um, and then what research has shown is that when we do that and we show value um, in the women in that way in a certain area a lot of times domestic violence occurrences drop drastically kids are graduating or you know staying in school longer Um, there's more respect for women in the community as a whole it just has this whole trickle effect of um, impacting communities in a really positive way so yeah that's so that's great. kind of the that the, the really long awesome. version <laughs> i didn't know about the toms and the um of course i know about the two for one but the 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 extra thought you know even me as a business owner i think about all the the intentions that i have to do good <laughs> but yeah treating them um you know you never know how that execution is actually going to affect um you know others and i i think that's a that's a really good conversation um to even consider when you when we look at businesses and it really goes um you know talking about the conscious consumerism you know and um buying things not because of it's readily available like fast fashion and you know like different department stores and it's cheap but then you also have to think about you know how is this stuff made who made this this t-shirt right. or you know all these things and you know a lot of people don't think of that because we want we have we're a microwave generation we want it to, you know right now we want to go out and get yeah. it 
and you don't we don't care about how stuff is made or who's making it or the environments that it's being made in and so I mean that's a really a really great conversation and you know sustainable fashion and uh, conscious consumerism you know can you talk just a little bit more about sustainable fashion because it's something that I'm I'm so new to and you know I like to have conversations that uh, will provoke people that are also new to the specific topic and sustainable fashion. I'm I don't know that much about it. Can you talk a little bit more about you know um, what that is, what fast fashion is, you know why we should be aware of it. You know what are the issues and the 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 causes and you know just can you talk a little bit about that for me, please? Absolutely. So yeah. So actually, it was funny because when I started Sister House, I was just selling things made by these social impact groups. And so I would be selling like bowls or jewelry or, you know, little more like household things or body care items, things like that. Um, but I was still shopping in like department stores and like, you know, not really thinking about the clothes I was consuming. Mm -hmm. um, and I considered myself pretty conscious. I was like, you know, I really watch the the you know that I'm not putting chemicals on my body I'm not you know I'm eating organic foods as often as possible I eat pretty healthy like now I'm like working with these social empowerment groups you know and then I watched this documentary <laughs> the true cost and it just flipped it like tur turned the course of my life you know yeah. in an hour and 30 minutes or however long it was because it was so painfully shocking to me that I had been unknowingly contributing to one of the most uh horrific like crimes I feel like we commit as Americans completely unknowingly mm -hmm. um and I didn't even I hadn't ever even thought twice about it so not to make anyone feel bad because I feel like I have to preface with that because when this hit me I felt bad I was like oh my gosh I am that person that goes to target and buys a shirt or buy you know buys a piece of clothing and then throws it away and like doesn't really think about it or I donate it and then I feel good because I'm like well at least someone's using it you know yeah. no so when I watched this documentary what it really showed me was that this concept of fast fashion which fast fashion is um so basically in the 50s and 60s and old, you know, I don't want to say old for anyone listening. That's not what I mean. Right. <laughs> but fashion used to be a four season a year mm -hmm. thing. So mm -hmm. production wise, we were coming out with four different seasons of clothing, you know, a year. Um, and what has happened over time is we've outsourced 98% of mm fashion production overseas right. in third world countries where there's no policies there's no um you know there's there's no law a lot of times there's no laws or very little laws or laws that aren't being you know yeah. nobody's checking to see who's following the law in terms of labor practices in these places um mm -hmm. and so fast fashion what it's created is this monster of 52 seasons a year mm -hmm. Every week in the United States, we get a new fashion season. So that's why every time, um, or, you know, a department store or Forever 21 or some of these cheaper, you know, um, especially like H&M, um, Forever 21, those kind of brands that have the cheapest of the cheap clothing, right. um, they get such a turnover of 
clothing because every week they get new shipments. So, and what that does essentially and why it's called fast fashion is because it turns over really fast. Um, it's made really fast and it's made quickly with cheap materials, which is why it usually falls apart after a couple washes. Mm-hmm. Um, or we, you know, in our culture have kind of been trained that, you know, we need new clothes. We need new clothes to feel good. We need a new dress for that party. We need new shoes for that meeting, you know, so we have kind of been conditioned and this is totally the culture that I grew up in. My family, I have two sisters and my mom, I mean, we all love to shop. So we would go to the mall every week. I mean, it's constant buying. And for me being a, you know, even in high school, I worked at Forever 20, 21 and I could remember getting my paycheck and blowing it all on clothes, you know, Um, and clothes that I probably wore a couple times and then was like, oh yeah, and just donated it. So what fast fashion is really talking about is this high turnover of fashion where 98% of these clothes are made overseas and almost a hundred percent of, of that is made in factories where there's no policies or procedures to keep workers safe. So Mm -hmm. This means that sexual abuse is rampant in these places. Um, It means that labor abuse, physical, mental, emotional, verbal abuse happens all the time. There's no consequences for that. And severe overtime um, without pay, people withholding pay. There's something called a, um, uh, I think they call it a piece per garment or garment. yeah, I think they call it piece per garment, but they basically get paid by every garment they produce, not by the amount of hours they're there, okay. um, which is a really terrible deal because they're yeah. expected to make hundreds and hundreds of shirts, you know, in the amount of time that they're there. So what um, slow fashion, which is the alternative to that, really is looking at is how do we start changing the mindset around fast fashion, this consume, consume, consume all the time and buy something new for every event. Mm -hmm. Um, But really think about the quality of the pieces that we're buying. Do we really need, you know, 40 different shirts or could we have really, you know, maybe 10 basic shirts or 10 shirts that we super, you know, we really, really love um, and stop consuming mindlessly, essentially, because it has such a profound impact on these people in developing communities. Um, and so, yeah, the slow fashion movement too, I just want to make sure I put out there because this is a common misconception is that it's really expensive to buy ethical fashion. Um, and really it's not, I have a resource guide on my, um, website that has a couple, you know, well, right now I have, I'm kind of trying to minimize it actually because it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to look at what's affordable because there are definitely plenty of, very expensive slow fashion brands, just like there are expensive fast fashion brands and, you know, luxury brands that are still producing things cheaply um, and using sweat shop labor and child labor and things like that. Um, but that, you know, mark up their thing. It's a $300 purse, but they paid, you know, maybe $7 for it. So it's the same in both industries. You can find affordable fashion that's made ethically, just like you can find really, really super expensive ethical fashion as well. Right. And it's all about, yeah. you know, doing research and, you know, you know, doing your research and looking, you know, if it's something that you want, you're going to find it out there. I've seen a lot of, you know, inexpensive, but high quality um, 
sustainable fashion lines and you know you go you go on instagram and you can find them yeah Uh, yeah if you look up yeah and if you look up hashtags on instagram that's a really great resource of finding ethical fashion brands and some things to be aware of that i always try to tell people kind of once they've started this journey to slow fashion is you know it's okay to call a brand and ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of brands now have like a code of ethics on their website or a sustainability, mm-hmm. it'll say social responsibility mm-hmm. um, tab on their website and you can click on that. And because it's becoming more, people are starting to ask questions about fashion because there's been so many um, tragedies in the yeah. fashion industry. The last one was Bangladesh where over a thousand mm-hmm people died in this horrible collapse of a building because it wasn't up to code and they were just trying to produce things as quickly and as cheaply as possible. And so many people lost their lives in the name of cheap fashion, which is horrific. Yeah. It's awful. Um, And so what I tell people is, yeah, it's okay to call a brand and ask questions. And it's also okay to, I always tell people you can email me, I'll email you what I know, you know, how to ask the right questions. But it's also a journey, right? So we do the best that we can. You know, there's been maybe two times since I started this journey that I I was like, oh, I really love that piece. Like, (laughs) oh, but it's made here. Like, and I'm so conflicted because, you know, but then, and the one time it's funny because I was looking at this dress this morning. I was like, I shouldn't have bought it. But, (laughs) you know, I think I, I justified it in my mind those like two times of like, okay, like this is a piece that I'm going to wear forever. And I've kind of committed to like, okay, that piece was like, you know, it was, I didn't know where it came from, but I still bought it. So now I need to really value it and wear it. And I hear that a lot from people in the sustainable fashion community as well. It's like, you know, don't go and throw out all your old stuff that isn't sustainably made, use it and use it well. And you know, that's the most eco-friendly thing to do. And it's the most sustainable thing to do because you're not just giving things away to end up in landfill, you know, or to, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But, yeah. you know, the donated clothing, we don't, you know, instead of that mindset, because I know I grew up with that of like, oh, okay, well, I'll just donate it and then I can buy something new. And it's like, no, just keep what you have, love what you have, wear it well, wear it to death, you know? Yeah. Um, and then think about buying something new to replace it and buy better next time. So, right. <coughs> yeah. Me. Now, do you find, um, this is just something that I'm thinking right now, but um, I was going to talk about, um, this just popped in my head about um, going to thrifting, you know, thrift stores and, you know, stuff like that, that there is still that certain mindset of consuming <laughs> because you're getting yes. you know, gently used or used items, but then you're, you're able to get more because it's less expensive and you know, all of that. Do you find that that is a trend or something that happens with people still um, that are making the switch, you know, to the rift? I know that's part of like sustainable fashion. No, it's, Yeah, no, it's such a good question. Because really, yeah, once I started really realizing, okay, I don't like having, you know, a 100 different pieces of clothing to choose from. Mm -hmm. I'm only going to consume what I need. Um, And I do I like 80 or 90% of my closet is thrifted stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just try to find when I go to the thrift stores, I'll see plenty of cute things. But then it's again, that question of, 
you know, changing the conversation of, oh, does this look good on me to like, okay, how, you know, how was this made? And is it actually going to last me for years and years and years? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I definitely <laughs> own about a third of my closet. Yeah. <laughs> that I used to, if not less, because I don't wear as much stuff. I have like five tank tops that I really love, you know, a couple, and I don't count either. That's a thing in sustainable and slow fashion is like a capsule closet is what they call it. So yeah. like 30, you know, pieces of clothing and you, that's it. Where me, I don't really like, I don't really like restrictions or putting restrictions on myself in terms of like numbers. <laughs> so I was like, I, I thought, okay, I'm just going to see, you know, how little can I have? Um, and I think I probably have like 50 or 60 things, but I'm like, that's for me, that's comfortable. I don't feel like I'm, you know, yeah. I, I only have a couple things to look at in the closet and I feel free enough to mix and match things, but I also don't feel overwhelmed by the amount of clothes to choose from. And yeah, when I go to the thrift store, I usually walk out with one thing if that, whereas Mm -hmm. I used to go like, Oh, well, this is kind of cute. I maybe will wear this once. It's only $3, you know, (laughs) that used to be my mindset. And now my mindset is kind of like, well, you know, someone else will appreciate this. I don't absolutely love it. So someone else will love it, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah, because yeah. I've been actually getting into <laughs> thrifting. I haven't actually <laughs> successfully done it yet. I've gone into several stores and walked out with nothing. <laughs> yeah, see, and that's I'm good though. <laughs> looking to see what what is what because it's it's so new to me, you know. And I'm yeah. just looking to like look at the different ones that are locally and see what is out there, so that when I do make you know a serious trip to the thrift store. You know, I know what's there and I kind of know, I'm kind of formulating my style <laughs> and, you know, so yeah, many different well, things. Yeah, that's something too to note. I mean, I don't consider myself a fashionable person. I have always just had really funky like yeah. patterns and like, if you look, I mean, it's funny because I like to think that I've grown out of that, but then I see like pictures of me like a year ago and I'm like, nope, I was still doing it. Like (laughs) (laughs) wild colors, different patterns, like just stuff that doesn't really go, but I feel like that's what I'm comfortable in. So I like to stick to that. Um, But what's helped me a lot too, was just like looking on Pinterest or looking online of like, what are some like fall looks or what are some winter looks and really choosing looks that are kind of timeless so that aren't super trendy. So that if I buy something, you know, this winter, I can wear it for the next, like, hopefully 10, 15, 20 winters. So like yeah. just investing in a nice, like I was thinking about this this morning, I have this coat and I was thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know. I kind of want a new coat. And then I thought, wait, <laughs> I spent like almost $200 on a coat, like five years, five or six years ago now. I'm like, and it's a warm coat. It still looks great you know why why would I need to buy one you know um so kind of asking and having those conversations within my own head help a lot too great for me at least (laughs) that's awesome those are really awesome tips because (coughs) excuse me like I said I'm trying to figure like the sustainable fashion I pretty much have my plastic and you know those are those are the issues that I'm um more concerned with as a person mm-hmm. and um, as a business and all of that. So that's the things that I've been focusing on the most. And I said, you know, 2019, um, I really want to focus on, you know, ethical and sustainable fashion. 
because I too have read, uh, watched The True Cost and am very familiar with that movie and the, the tragedy of what happens in those um, third world countries and, you know, all that. And so to me, it's a natural progression <laughs> to go to. Right. It, it is. And it's all related. Like you were asking about the, the closet, you know, and I think all of these things are related. Eco-friendly, fair mm-hmm. trade, sustainable, minimalism, like yeah. all of these things are kind of, you catch, you get interested in one and then you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. that thing is so, that's <laughs> obviously the next step, you know, because yeah. <laughs> I feel, and that's kind of how I feel about fair and ethical fashion is I'm like, okay, we've had the organic movement, you know, the food movement, we've got people talking about skincare and like, you know, and I think what's to come is one, the cleaning products, of course, yeah. and fashion, because those yeah. are things that we, we have to wear clothes. And most mm-hmm. of us feel like we have to clean our houses, right? Right. <laughs> so those are things we can't get away from, you know? Sure. Um, so how do we share that education in a productive way and in a way that doesn't make people feel bad if, if they don't have it all together overnight because it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. And I, I think that's so important. Like I, I always say, you know, bit by bit, you know, at, yep. at least do the most good, you know, whatever you can do, do, do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do better. Basically. <laughs> you just keep doing better. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you'll find it. So, um, so what, what is next for Sister House Collective? Cause I know you moved from the boutique, like that physical boutique, and you're online. Tell us about Sister House Collective online and then what's next for you and um, Sister House Collective. Yeah, so I have slowly kind of been just minimizing the amount of product that I sell. Um, so I was a retailer, like I said, for different ethical and social impact based um, groups. And I've kind of been shifting more now to what, how I can. So my whole thing is basically creative living, collaborative living, conscious living. Like those are my three kind of pillars. Um, I really want to, you know, introduce this idea of conscious living and intentional, thoughtful Mm -hmm. decisions that impact ourselves, other people, the planet, all of that incorporated also with bringing women together. Um, I love hosting uh, meetups and different workshops and just for women to get together and authentically create friendships and share information and teach skills. I'm all about that. Um, And so I think, yeah, as I move into 2019, so I've been working um, on building some of my own uh, designs and my own kind of campaigns around changing conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's kind of the direction I'm moving in is really trying to get um, these waves of information out and around the theme of changing the conversation. So like I kind of started with, instead of talking about, you know, does this thing look cute on me? Okay, but who made it and what is the impact that it has? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, a big one for me is mental health. Instead of this whole, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? Let's really talk about, you know, how are people doing mentally? And how are we doing mentally as a society? How do we start these conversations? and create authentic safe space for us as women to share and talk about these sometimes, you know, or more more often than not times hard topics that we kind of avoid. Um, And so I'm kind of going into that and kind of thinking too a little um, creatively of like 
different campaigns and how I want to do them. So whether it's coming out with a product that has a give back toward a certain nonprofit or just having a product that shares this message and then, you know, there's some social give back. That's still kind of the details that I'm working out. Um, but then I'm also working on ethical consulting. So I'm working with some small businesses now in town um, in Las Vegas on sourcing their products more ethically. Um, and so coming in and saying, okay, you know, you already carry shirts, sweatshirts and hats. Okay, well, now you want to do them ethically. I know all about that. Let me help you. So helping them um, use that too as as leverage, because I think a lot of companies can use that. Hey, we're being more responsible. We're asking these questions too, and we want to give our customers a good product that isn't harming people or the planet. Right. Um, right. And so, yeah, so the ethical consulting has really been fun. Creative consulting, I've been working with a couple entrepreneurs on building their brands um, and just, you know, being there for accountability and just to tell them things that here's some mistakes I made starting mm-hmm. my own business. Mm-hmm. How can we help you around those things? Um, and then my friend Kelly. Bennett, who is a co-owner and um, creative director at Vegination in town, the vegan restaurant. (laughs) Yes, she's wonderful. We teach a workshop series um, and it is this year we did it twice. Next year we might do it twice again and we're looking at a retreat in January. Um, But teaching, yeah, just about business skills, wellness, just kind of incorporating all the things we wish we had when we started our businesses Mm -hmm. and really focusing on like self-sustainability. So how do you not burn out, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if you have the right tools, you have the right resources, you're also really conscious of how you're caring for yourself. Those are the, the kind of messages and things we want to relay. And then we bring in um, different experts on different topics. So whether it's taxes or insurance or SEO, all those kind of things, we just, you know, we're like, hey, yep, we have to do a little of that, but we're not the experts. Let's bring in someone that's really good at that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk, teach about the things that we feel we're really good at. Right. Um, so yeah. And then I'm blogging. That's the other thing. <laughs> I'm <laughs> blogging um, and just trying to share education. I think I realized this last year after I had my daughter, I really want to be present for her and to be a conscious lifestyle brand and not be conscious and present in my own life would mm-hmm. be a tragedy. <laughs> so, yeah, um, so I really just reframed the business so that I can work about half of the hours I was working before. I can be really present and have a lot of fun with my daughter while she's small. Um, and then just write about conscious living and write about sustainable fashion and write about, you know, when we travel, I, I never had thought of this before, but whenever I travel, I'll look at all the different conscious businesses in a city Mm. um or you know oh this is a cool concept and they're you know they're utilizing the the greens from the garden across the road you know and so I would go to these places and not think about writing them and now I'm like oh yeah I need to be sharing that information so then you know my community can go and also when they visit that city go see these cool places because I know I love reading travel books so yeah, that's, that's something awesome. that I'm also trying to share such yeah. great tips that's really awesome I, I definitely will uh, keep checking it out because I, I, I've actually learned a lot from you and it, you and I have another one that I really look to for sustainable fashion advice <laughs> and oh thank you, you know, yeah. and it's just it's like I said it's not something that um, 
I'm, you know, I'm so new to it and really trying to grasp my mind. I'm, I'm a slow burn kind of person. <laughs> I like mm-hmm. marinate. I marinate on something for a long time before I actually yeah. shoot anything. And so that's why I'm taking the time to, to finish my plastic pledge to myself and my household. You know, I gave myself yeah. 12, 12 different things to do this year to, um, overcome our consumption of plastic in my own household and so mm, that's cool. you know, we're, we're working really hard and we're actually doing really good I am shocked <laughs> yeah how, did you write a, do, you, do you have more information about that because that sounds really cool <laughs> yeah yeah you know I mean I basically at the mm-hmm. end of 2017, I just thought about, or actually, actually, I take that back. It was at the beginning of January of 2018. And I said, okay, I want to really tackle plastic uh, consumption because, you know, we consume a lot of plastic. And so I thought um, the first thing is researching what plastic is and if it has any effects on the body. Of course, I already mm-hmm. knew the environmental impact. So my concern was, as a woman, you know, what impacts do, does plastic have on my body? You know, yeah. and it, it has a tremendous impact. And so my right. goal was then to, um, I, have not, I have not or probably will never eliminate all plastic, but my reduction, I would say, is down probably right now about 75% of what wow, it was last really cool. year. And mm-hmm. like I said, to, to accomplish that <laughs> is an amazing feat. No, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's extremely hard because, you know, everything is in plastic nowadays. And it is. And it's funny because like you're saying, like I didn't even, even in all of this fashion stuff that I'm in, like I hadn't thought of any of what you're talking about until more recently where I was like, oh, when I buy fruit that's pre-cut, like it comes in this big bulky yeah. plastic. And my yeah. shampoos come in plastic and this comes, you know, I yeah. thought I was pretty good. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, I know. there's a lot. <laughs> it's know. like everything. Yeah. So, I mean, my plastic consumption challenge to myself is probably going to continue on. But I also, you know, next year, but I also want to do the sustainable fashion. So I will definitely be looking to you and um, my other person, Dominique Drakeford, which I absolutely love and adore. Um, you guys are amazing and you have a wealth of knowledge and all of that. Um, so I really Thank love, you. I'm going to have to look her up. Oh yeah. I, um, if you, yeah, she's, she's amazing. She's a woman of color and she does a blog called melanin and sustainable style. And she's mm. all about changing the narrative, um, of sustainable fashion and the look and, you know, changing it so yeah. that people of color can kind of grasp that concept as well so she she's a pioneer in that community mm-hmm. um, we have a wonderful woman in vegas too um anisa who's green stitch fabrics also a woman of color doing really cool urban fashion like upcycling different fabrics i mean just like super cool stuff um and i worked with her a little bit through sister house she did some pop-ups with us she does all like her own shibori dyeing and nice. she uses fun African fabrics and like uh, sustainable denim and I don't know you'll have to look her up but 
Yeah, absolutely. I would love to buy from somebody that's local and sustainable and, you know, to get a few pieces. So I will definitely uh, get her information and uh, yeah, definitely. Cause I, I, yes, absolutely. (laughs) I I love to support local. So same. I know that's another part of this whole sustainability journey. I'm learning, you know, when you shop small and you support your small business, you're really, you are voting with your dollar. And I know some people are like, Oh, it can't be that much of a difference. And I'm like, I literally almost 95% of what I buy. I try to buy local, you know, well, I take that back, not my groceries because I go to Sprouts, but (laughs) I'm working on it. You know, it's the process, but you know, clothing, jewelry, like any gifts, anything I need, I try to find it locally because I want to see other creatives and innovators and people who like you are standing for change to thrive. Like we should get back to that small business mindset of really supporting family owned, single person owned, small business. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Um, So what, okay. So I, I love to read and I love to watch documentaries and, you know, learn as much as part of my research process, you know, I also, you know, love science journals and things of that nature. What are some really good books or documentaries that you've watched that you could recommend to people that are really looking to learn more about sustainable fashion and ethical consumerism or anything that we talked about today? Yeah, so um, definitely some documentaries, um, Half the Sky, The True Cost, which I mentioned, Mm -hmm. Poverty, Inc., um, and 13th. Those have all been really um, eye-opening to me, just about different things that are going on in, in different realms. I guess I'll go through them. So Half the Sky is more looking at human trafficking, which that's how I got into all of this labor exploitation Mm -hmm. was when I was selling these handmade goods. It was a lot of times by survivors of trafficking, or like I said, where someone went in and said, okay, let's provide jobs in this area because these women are at risk of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. A lot of times human trafficking played into that. So half the sky was really good. There's a book um, called not for sale that that's what got me interested in human trafficking, which started all of this to begin with um, starting sister house collective Um, but not for sale. The book really looks at um, what was going on in, or what is going on with human trafficking and how to identify it. Mm -hmm. Um, And they talk about, yeah, labor abuse that goes on and even just how many laborers are tricked into coming into the United States and working and then having their identification confiscated and being, you know, blackmailed and just, you know, threatened and things like that. So that was really eye opening to me. Um, And that's, when too, I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to start having these hard conversations, but in a way where people feel hope and they know that they can impact those situations in a positive way. Sure. Um, the true cost, obviously about the fashion industry, mm-hmm. Poverty Inc. was the one they talk about Tom's and that's kind of where I first heard about that. But they talk about, um, you know, that, that charity in itself is not bad, but we as a culture have really, um, hurt some other cultures by setting up these long-term systems of welfare um, so that for decades, you know, a certain country will have have to depend on us to give them charity um, for them to survive. And so it just kind of looks about 
at how detrimental that can be because then we're not giving people opportunity and then it it doesn't do anything for their self-worth to feel like they're just you know we're just going to give them handouts um and so yeah that one was really interesting to me too because I had been going back and forth with like should I make sister house a nonprofit for the education Mm -hmm. piece or do I go for profit and after watching that, I was like, we need more for-profit businesses that exist to empower people and not just right. to make money. Right. So we have to make that a business model that's different from a nonprofit so that it's sustainable for everyone involved. Nice. Um, and then 13th was really interesting because that just looked at um, the 13th Amendment and how in the United States we have in our prisons a lot of prisoners working for big corporate, you know, uh, these, you know, kind of partnerships between corporations and the federal government of having prisoners work for these corporations, essentially, and they don't get any money from it. Mm. Um, So that was a, that blew my mind, too, because I saw that a couple, probably six months or more after I saw the true cost, and I had been telling everyone, well, just until I know more, just buy everything, you know, if it's U.S. made, then it's okay. And then I watched that, and I thought, oh, my gosh, no, because <laughs> okay. some companies are actually abusing people, and they can use the label U.S. made, but it's made in a U.S. prison by people who are, in, you know, essentially enslaved. So that was a whole eye-opener for me, too. But those are kind of the the... I've- I've documentaries seen that, on Netflix, that just, but I actually have not watched it, so I I definitely will. Oh my goodness! It. Yeah, it's good, and I love too the documentaries, the social media, the books that are coming out, the internet in general. There's a wealth of information, and obviously, you want to make sure what you're reading and watching is credible. But people are getting messages out there that we would never, you know, we I would have never thought any of that, and even yeah. before the true cost, I would have never thought twice about where I buy my clothes or. Who makes my clothes? Never. But yeah. because this information is out there, it's like, how do we use it to empower ourselves to then empower other people? Right. Um, so actually on so, that same same thought, who should we be following on social media and what blogs should we be reading so that we can oh, yeah. educate ourselves? Yeah. So The Good Trade is a good blog I love to read and look at for resources on uh, trustworthy brands and sustainability guides. They kind of look all over the board at different aspects of sustainability. Um, and so I really, really value that blog, The Good Trade. Um, there's an app called Good On You, and they have assessed a lot of different uh, brands. And they kind of tell you, they break it down by environmental, uh, human rights, and animal rights, mm. um, and animal welfare. You know, what what in those three categories they rank is it not good enough good or great so they will kind of show you and then i think poor is on there as well but they will rate different brands um conscious magazine is a great magazine um that i think it's quarterly and they basically and that one i wouldn't say specifically for sustainable fashion but they give stories about different people who are making conscious movements all over the country. And then I, I'm sure I haven't gotten one in a, a little while, but I'm sure they're doing all over the world. Um, but they sometimes will focus on a city and they'll say like, you know, okay, these are all the things going on in the Chicago area. So next time you're in Chicago, you can look at this coffee shop that does this for the community, this, you know, artist that's doing this. And so it's just really good 
and inspiring um, movements that are going on. Um, and along with that one, um, there's a newspaper, quarterly newspaper called Good Good. And I think on Instagram, it's um, either, I'm trying to think, if you Google Good Good Co., it will come up, but they have a website, they do an email campaign, they have social media, there's a podcast, but it's all this guy, Brandon Harvey, reporting on good news going on. Mm. Um, and so it's just people making, you know, people doing inspiring things, and he's just sharing the word about good news. He's like, you know, his whole philosophy is there's enough bad news, so we want to yeah. talk about the good things that are going on in the world, what people are doing to empower other people, to empower themselves, to empower communities. Um, and so, of course, that crosses over a lot with the stuff that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, another blog is Beat and Real, um, Known Supply, and Able, which was Fashion Able. All of those last three are good resources. They're um, brands, but then they also give a lot of good information about the impact behind these social causes and why it's so important. Nice. Uh, those are uh, really, really good. I've actually heard of none of them. <laughs> so I will Oh, really? Oh, good. Yay. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard of none of them. So I will be doing, um, uh, you know, going to all of them and really trying to find out more and doing more research because, you know, you think you know, <laughs> and then something else comes up and you're like, dang, I didn't know that. <laughs> I know, I know. It is how it is. I know. <laughs> I know the feeling. I'm like, oh, look, I did this good thing. Oh, wait. What? Yeah. <laughs> wait, but there's this side of it. Too. So it's, yeah, it's a learning process. But yeah, it's good to make the information. The more we're talking about it, the more people get turned on to it, the more we can just, it's going to become a normal conversation. Um, and my hope is that my one-year-old daughter, when she's 20, you know, or my age, 29, she won't have to ask, you know, oh, was my shirt made in a sweatshop or was someone abused in the making of this product or, you know, this shampoo that I'm washing my hair with? Does it have toxins in it that are going to harm me? You know, I hope that we can get to a point where we'll say, like, did you know it used to be like this? Isn't yeah. that crazy? <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. So, okay. So where can we find you, Sister House Collective? Um, what's your website and your social media so that people can look you up, learn more about you, and then follow you on social media? Yeah, so it's all, it's pretty simple. It's just Sister House Collective. Dot com and then on Instagram, Sister House Collective, Facebook, Sister House Collective. I'm not on Twitter because I just can't handle yeah. too much social media. Right. <laughs> so those are where you can find me. Yeah. Um, and then always email me with questions if you want some more information about brands that I support um, and different things like that. I always just give my email out. It's sisterhousecollective at gmail.com. Nice. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. I enjoyed this conversation so much and I've learned so much. So I really appreciate your time and for talking to myself and our audience. And thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was great. Thank you.